So we're uh, mixing things up a bit today, because it's a special service. So you've got me early. Yeah. Uh, Let's get the reading. So the reading today is from Hebrews chapter 10. And we'll start at verse 19. It's a reading full of uh, Old Testament imagery, which can be a bit confusing, but we'll talk about it. Let me read it to you first. So therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water." Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit are doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we pray today, Lord, that you would uh, open our ears to your word and our hearts to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So we live today uh, in a world that's changed. Everything seems to have changed. We live in a world of uh, unfulfilled promises Broken promises, unkept agreements, unfulfilled expectations. It seems that everything has changed. We're accustomed to being let down, aren't we, by the people in power, to hearing things we simply don't believe, and we wonder sometimes, do they even believe them? We've come to listen to the rhetoric of our country's leaders, promises they make, unsure if they believe it themselves. Do you believe Rishi Sunak on his five promises to cut waiting lists, to grow the economy? Who knows? But to be fair, the Conservatives have fulfilled one promise, haven't they? Do you remember at the end of last year, they actually said, we're going to get retired people back to work. That's our aim, to get retired people back to work. And to be fair, they have done that. (laughs) So let's give them credit where credit's due. One fulfilled promise. But whose promises can we trust? Promises are easily made and just as easily broken. Everything seems to have changed. And it's not just in the political arena that we see broken promises, is it? Uh, At work, in our offices, in our places of work, there was a time when you could have a job for life uh, in the same company, in the same organization. Hardly the case these days. We'll listen today at work as how things will get better soon. There's economic recovery just around the corner. Don't worry, everybody's job will be safe, only to find out six months later that nobody's job was safe. And in the area of relationships, of personal family relationships, the marriage promise no longer seems to carry the same meaning. It's so common now to see broken promises, people let down, people never, who will never commit to a single relationship. Everything has changed, so it would seem. I'm sorry, but I've found someone else who understands me more than you do. We hear everything has changed. In our world, in our time, 
It's as if promises no no longer matter. Everything has changed. Or has it? Or has it? Actually, I'm here today to say not everything has changed. It may seem so, but not everything has changed. Not every promise maker breaks their promise. Not everyone who gives you an assurance will turn around one day and say, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. Not everybody will look at you, no matter how old you get, and one day say, I'm sorry, I found someone else. You see, there is one who by his nature can never break his promises. There is one who 2,000 years ago, B.C., made a promise to a man called Abraham. 2,000 years before Christ, he made a promise to him. Abraham was old and decrepit and aging. His wife, Sarah, was 90 years old. They hadn't had a child. And God said to Abraham, I promise you will have as many descendants as you see stars in the sky. I promise you. They didn't believe it. Sarah laughed. God said, Sarah, I heard you laugh. You didn't believe it. You don't believe it. But I promise you. There is one who in the time of Moses, 1500 years B.C., when Israel was enslaved in Egypt, said, one day you will be free. One day you will have a land of your own. They didn't believe it. They wandered through the desert, shouting and criticizing Moses. They even said, you should have left us in Egypt. Or to quote, were there not enough graves in Egypt, Moses, that you've brought us into this desert to die? They didn't believe it. But God said, you don't believe it, but I promise you. There is one who hundreds of years before Christ was born promised that he would send a saviour. He promised he would send someone who would have the capacity to take all the wrong in this world and make it right. What does it mean people didn't get what it meant? What is a saviour? What is a messiah? But God said, see, I'm going to do a new thing. I promise you something will happen. And many hundreds of years later in the future, a baby was born in the Middle East and they called him Jesus. These promises are examples of God's promises and all his promises, if you look at them, have come true. All his promises have held firm. And so if we see promises today in the Bible, we can be sure that that they will happen, that they will come true. We can have confidence that this God, who's never broken a promise, will never break a promise. It is not in his nature. If God promises something, then for our own good, we'd better believe it. So let's take a look at the promise in this passage. This passage which has this Old Testament imagery. Let's just open it up a little bit and look at this promise that is in this passage, that is referenced in this passage. Here's a little bit of the passage. So says the writer, let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Full assurance because we can see from God's track record, we don't have to make it up, that if God says something will happen, it does happen. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, the pure water of baptism, or for us, us, at least as pure as United Utilities will allow us. 
Let us hold unswervingly then to the hope we profess. For he who promised, again a reference to that promise, he who promised is faithful. So what is this new promise? What is this promise that God is faithful to? In a nutshell, his promise is to bring us into a good is to bring us into a good relationship with God in this life and to live forever in the life to come. That is God's promise to all who believe in him. How tremendously encouraging to know that for certain, because that's his track record, if we put our trust in Jesus, we belong to Jesus in this world, and we will have life everlasting in the world to come, when this world comes to an end. These promises, these assurances become ours when we accept Jesus into our hearts. They become ours. We can own them. We can trust them because we have a God who's never broken a promise. See, all of us mess up. We all do things wrong. Sometimes we do things accidentally wrong. Sometimes we do things deliberately wrong. Me too. But if we invite Jesus into our lives and confess those sins and say we've done things wrong, God gives us this promise. You know, there's lots of reasons we could talk about today to be a Christian. But for me... Simply and bluntly, it's just a better life. It's just a better way to live. I have this assurance of this promise. I have purpose in my life. I have meaning. I understand some of, some of the big questions in this world make more sense because of my Christian worldview. And the confirmation of this promise, the acceptance of this promise, the final seal that once and for all we accept this promise is... Christian baptism, which is what we're doing today. That sets the seal on that promise in our hearts. Around 40 years ago, I was baptized as an adult in an Anglican church in uh, Wally Range, Moss Side. In a, in a, well, not in a little bowl, because I was an adult, <laughs> but with a little bowl. <laughs> That would have been something to see, wouldn't it? Uh, a little bowl, which I, I think was a trifle bowl, but Alison says it was a nice crystal bowl. Anyway, a different traditions. We're doing it differently today, and we'll talk about that. I was 21 years old. Uh, today, Nick, Kevin, Sarah, and Daryl, you'll be baptized as well, but in a bowl bigger than mine. Right? Get a lot of trifle in that, Kevin. But for me, baptism, my baptism was a complete mystery. I came from an Indian background. I'd never heard of an adult baptism, never seen a baptism before my own. But I, I know that my life changed from that point. And I can trace things back years later. I can trace things back to that night, that night, that service. I can trace things back to then. And so I think, I believe that for the four of you, Nick, Kevin, Sarah, and Daryl, this, this is a significant day for you. I don't know how, but I believe it is. I don't know what God will do, but he will do something. Baptism is what we call a sacrament, a physical sign of a spiritual reality. Okay? A physical sign of a spiritual reality. Communion, when we celebrate communion with bread and wine, that is also a sacrament, what the church calls a sacrament. A physical sign of a spiritual reality. But where does it come from? 
this idea of baptism, it actually goes back into the Old Testament, into the, some of the imagery that this writer was using when he talks about being sprinkled with water. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't called baptism. The thinking then was different. It was ritual washing. And the people used to wash themselves, thinking, feeling they were cleansing themselves of wrongdoing and preparing themselves for God, preparing themselves to meet God. They would wash themselves in a, usually by immersion, complete immersion, in a thing called a mikvah or a mikvah, a big stone kind of container. If we fast forward from that, because that's many hundreds of years before Christ, to the time of Christ, we find a man called John the Baptist, who was also baptizing people in the Jordan, in the River Jordan. Now, John's baptism uh, was still about being cleansed from wrongdoing. It wasn't about new life or new starts. It was about being cleansed, similar to the Old Testament. Being cleansed from sin. Imagine then John's surprise when his cousin, Jesus, turns up and says, will you baptize me? Because John says, yeah, but you haven't committed anything wrong. You're the one person who I know has never done anything wrong. Good question, isn't it? If if John's baptism was about cleansing from wrongdoing, why would Jesus, who never did anything wrong, be baptized? You see, for Jesus, baptism wasn't about being cleansed from wrongdoing. It was about identifying with us. Jesus was baptized like that, to identify with us, to demonstrate solidarity with our human experience. And later he would take all that wrongdoing on his own shoulders. And it's that example of Jesus we're following today with the way that we do baptism in this church. Jesus' baptism was also a symbolic representation, a sacrament, physical sign of a spiritual reality. And the falling into the waters represents a death, and rising up represents new life. That's what we do today. Following the example of Jesus, we come to to baptism as a spiritual burial of our old self as we go into the waters, and a rising to a new life in Christ as we come out of the waters. For baptism is also a public declaration So the folks being baptized will make a declaration, a commitment, or a recommitment in some cases uh, of their Christian faith to follow Jesus as best as we can. That's what we commit to, to follow Jesus as best as we can. So then lastly, uh, very lastly, what happens after our baptism? After we're baptized, what happens then? Is it like, well, job done, go home? Actually, no, because after baptism... After baptism, that's the start of the journey. So let me just recap where we're up to. So first of all, I said God has made promises. And we see in the, from the Bible, from history, he has always kept those promises, number one. And number two, God makes a promise to us today that if we trust him, if we accept him, we will have a relationship with him in this life and life forever in the life to come. And the the way we seal that, the way we confirm that, is by baptism. But that's just the beginning. So the exciting thing about being a Christian is that it is a journey. We're all on individual journeys, and we are also on a collective journey as a family of believers walking together. 
So let's just take a look at the end of this passage and what the writer then says about how we live as a Christian. What should we do? What advice does he give? Now, I'm deliberately not going to talk about praying and reading the Bible because I'm assuming that if you're a Christian, you already know that. But in case that's something for you that you haven't quite got your head around yet, try this app. I use it on my phone as my go-to app. If I haven't got another reading that day, I go to Lectio 365. It's a modern spin on an ancient way of reading the Bible. Ten minutes, different voices every day, different passages. Give it a go. But for now, let's look at this pas- the rest of this passage and what this writer says. So he says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Sometimes, holding unswervingly, being solid in our faith, being absolutely unshakable, is really easy, isn't it? There are some days when we're filled with confidence, when we're surrounded by believers, when our lungs are filled with our favorite worship song, and it's easy to have faith. That's great. That's really good. But some days, it isn't easy. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes there are dark days when we struggle. Sometimes God seems far away from us. If you have ever have days like that, and I sometimes do, then my two bits of advice, first of all, put your confidence not in how you feel that day, but in what God has promised and done in the past for those other believers in history and also in your past and my past. Don't put your confidence in that day's feelings. Put it in what God has done. And secondly, Something that, something that always helps me, never stop marveling at God's creativity, at his genius in creation. God's nature is to create wonderfully. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's the pure golden or red color of a leaf this season. Or maybe it's the glittering beauty of the night sky. But whatever it is, think about, look at, go out and look at God's creation. That will help you on those days. So number one, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider then, he says, how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. How can we spur one another on? This is an important part of the Christian life. I would even say that actually the primary way we grow as Christians and grow in our relationship with God is by service. Finding something we can do to serve God whether it's in this church or out of this church. What good deeds, then, can you do today? Not just those who are being baptized. What good deeds can you do? There's a role in this church for you. There's a role outside this church. And you will grow in your faith. And then lastly, let us not give up the habit of meeting together, as some are are doing, but let us encourage one another all the more. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Some of us are at risk here. We've noticed that even actually since COVID, some of us have fallen out of the habit of coming to church every Sunday. It seems to be kind of an optional thing. Now, some people can't come to church. Some folks are at home because they can't come. That's okay. And sometimes there'll be weeks when we can't come. That's okay. But if you can come, come. You will be encouraged in your faith, and we will be encouraged by your presence. You will encourage the rest of us just by being here. I will be encouraged just by seeing you here. Let me close and pray for us together. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us with a deep, deep love. And thank you, Lord, that you're a God who's always kept his promises and makes a promise to us today that you will, be, you will bring us close to you in this life and we will live forever in the life to come if we only put our trust in Jesus. So help us, to, Lord, today, along with Nick, Kevin, Sarah, and Daryl, to put our trust in you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.